Um, we have got a series right now. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen uh, soon, but if you have Bibles, go ahead and turn in them to 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through uh, 5 through 3. Uh, we are in a series, but it's, it's very appropriate for today as we get into this. So if you've got your Bibles, open them on up to 1 John chapter 4. If you have a Bible on your device, uh, do that. And we're going to go ahead and stand and read this section right here. So if you could stand, please. Again, this is John, Jesus' best friend, as he's writing to a group of people that um, are in a church that are having some serious issues with one another and everyone else on the outside. And he says this in verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God. But when we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we're in him and that he's in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to the savior of the world, to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they're in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how we, love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're to be like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us the com this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child as well. This is how we know that we love the, that we are, that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Um, one of the things that, that we have uh, just right up in our face, uh, or at least me, I don't, how many of you um, constantly, you carry your phone, and some of you um, have an awesome feature. Uh, I know iPhones have it, I think other phones too, where you just basically call out who you want to text or who you want to call, and your phone obeys you, right? Right? Okay, so the other day, literally, this is yesterday, I'm driving and I, all, this is all I say. I'm just like, text, I'm like, I hold down my finger on the home button and, boop -a -doop, and I say, text Carson. So what does my phone do? No, it doesn't text Carson. That's my major issue. It's a simple, it's totally simple. I'm not telling it to do calculus. Just text my son. And I'm driving. And so I'm not calling him because that's illegal. But I'm, text Carson, text Carson. And so all of a sudden, this comes up on the screen. What can I help you with? Which sounds wonderful, except for I've already told my phone how it can help me. 
text Carson. And so I said again, text Carson. And then all of a sudden it comes up with this screen. Some things you can ask me. It's like, you know what? No, no, no. You can ask me this. You can ask me all these things, which I don't care about. I don't care about telling Susan I'll be right there. I don't care about Apple paying 20 bucks to Kira. I don't know Kira. These are things I don't care about. You know, the only thing I do care about? Texting Carson. Very simple. But because of the area I was driving through, because of the area I was in, the reception wasn't great or there was some type of interference and whatever the case may be, I, this is the... the <laughs> my son Carson just texted me. What can I help you with? He's on the patio. Hi, Carson. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> so simple. Such a simple command, right? And yet, because of where I was, the interference or whatever, my phone gave me a bunch of things that I could, it could ask me, that I could ask it, that it'll comply with. But it, up to that point, it's like, I'm not going to work. I'm not playing with you. And the reality is, is that the, this command that we see in the passage we just read, from John to this church is incredibly simple, but it's not easy. Totally simple. God doesn't overcomplicate it. He doesn't make it crazy cumbersome. He just makes it very simple. Love one another. In fact, he makes it even more clear, and he says this. If you're really with him, really join him. If you're really a Christian, if you're really a follower of Jesus, then this has been something that's been branded on your soul. If you're really with him, join him. And so this is what I'd like us to do just so we get that in our head. I'm going to say the first part, if you're really with him, and I want you, this is just for the, the people inside this room right now, and then we'll go outside to the patio and the tent and the other areas. But right now, just go ahead and repeat, you, you can just say the second part. I'm going to say the first part, you say the second part. If you're really with him, really okay, good. That, everyone in here did an awesome job. Let's do it one more time. If you're really with him, really okay, let's see if we can hear the patio and tent group at the same time. Okay, patio and tent group. If you're really with him, Oh, wow, okay. I couldn't hear anything. Let's try it again. If you're really with him? Okay, good. Okay, we got it. All right, and any of the other rooms? Okay, let's actually, all, all the groups, all the venues, all together, let's say this one final time. If you're really with him? Okay, that is John's simple, not easy command from God. If you're really in God, really join him. But really join him in doing what? What are we joining him to do? And the reality is, reality, what he's saying is, you need to, if you're in him, you've been given the love of God. And so if you're really in him, if you've really experienced the love of God, then join him in doing that. Well, yeah, but what is that? What, what does that even mean? What is love? What is God's picture of perfect love? And God's picture of perfect love is the word that John uses in this passage, agape. Everyone say agape. Agape. And, and the only way that I can remember this, what this, because a lot of people, this is a Greek word, so we don't use this in everyday life. But agape love is like unconditional love. But if you want to, and kids, this will help you out remembering unconditional love as well. We've talked about this before in our church, but go ahead and repeat after me. Agape love. Actually, if everyone could just take your hands and let's do this together. Agape love comes from above. Even when they're a pain in the butt, you love them no matter what. Got it? Okay, so that's simple, but it's not easy. God's unconditional love is not loving someone when they deserve it. In fact, it's undeserved and it's inconvenient. Agape love is a choice that is a difficult choice. When God wanted to paint a picture of what true love was, he didn't show a, an amazing romance, like a perfect couple or a perfect marriage, and said, you want to know what love looks like? That's what it looks like. Love looks like, no, he didn't do that. 
When God wanted to paint a picture of what, what perfect true love was, he didn't showcase a picture of someone who's worked so hard and, and I just worked so hard and because I worked so hard, I am rewarded with love. You have shown yourself worthy of love and I as God will give it to you. That's not the picture that we see either. In fact, when God wanted to show the picture of what true love was, he focused on a world of people who didn't love him, who didn't want his leadership, who ran in the opposite direction of him, who didn't want to have anything to do with them. And for this people, he showed, what, he showed a picture of what true love was by stretching out his arms and dying for them. That's true love. And then he turns to this once dead now alive creation, and says, follow me, follow me. This love I've given to you, I'm calling you to join me. If you're really in him, really join him. But, but really join him in loving whom? I mean, who am I supposed to love, right? Because I could tell you some people I wouldn't like to love. I don't like to love. I don't enjoy loving them. And so, and so this is the thing that we have to understand is that, that he, he's totally ambiguous about this. So let's just put some specificity on it. On your seats, you should have gotten a little uh, name tag, a little hello, my name is thing. And there should be, um, there's Sharpies somewhere, right? Are they, where are they, guys? Are they in the pockets or by the friendship books? Yes. Oh, they were. That's good. That's convenient. Okay. So during the service, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and put on your name tag. I just want you to put your name and then just something that, that's like a, defi a defining thing, like one of your favorite musical artists. Okay? You may have lots of musical artists. So you might be someone that says, I don't like music at all. Well, put that. I don't know. But just put something about you. Uh, just to, you know, put your name and one of your favorite musical artists of any era. Like if you were Carlos, it would totally have been the Beatles, right? If you're Pastor Dave, it totally would be Metallica. Whatever. Just make sure that you do that. Go ahead and do that and just pass that, that Sharpie down the road during the service and write down your name and then one of your favorite musical artists. If it's a kid that you're with, kids, you could have your favorite Fortnite player. You could have like whatever your favorite cartoon is, whatever. But something about you because here's the deal. This group of people, we are so diverse and different. And as a church, we can come in and we can exit nameless. Who am I supposed to love? Let's take baby steps and start off with saying these people, the people that are around us. But we have to also realize that it's not just them. Back in 2012, my wife and I met this guy. His name is Bob Goff. He's a lawyer and he's a writer, um, awesome guy. And um, one of the things he was talking about in a recent book was the fact that he, he found a lawyer in the Bible that he could relate to. This lawyer asked Jesus this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? As a guy who studies the law, he knows the law, he wants to know which is the best, like the most important law. And so Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. According to Jesus, loving your neighbor and loving God, they're tied for first. Because you can't adequately love God if you're not loving others. And you can't completely love others unless you have the love of God in you. This was something that Jesus said was so important. But the thing that Bob Goff thought was so interesting was that the fact that he follows it up with, well, who's my neighbor? And this is the funny thing, because we know what the lawyer is doing in this particular passage. He wants to know who he is legally required to love so that he can know who he doesn't have to. Who are the people I don't have to love? 
Who are the people that I could, I, I could just, just focus in on the good people or the moral people or the people who are good to me? And then the other people I, just, I can actually hate because maybe God hates them too. And, and what Jesus is, is saying is so cool because Jesus doesn't answer him. He doesn't give them the list of these are the people you're supposed to love and these are the people you aren't. He's ambiguous. There are, for love from God, no lists. No lists, no directives, nothing like that. In fact, Bob says this. Each of us is surrounded every day by our neighbors. They're ahead of us. They're behind us, on each side of us. They're every place we go. They're sacking groceries and attending city council meetings. They're holding cardboard signs on street corners and raking leaves next door. They play high school football and deliver the mail. They're heroes and hookers and pastors and pilots. They live on the streets and design our bridges. They go to seminaries and live in prisons. They govern us and they bother us. Sometimes the same. They are everywhere we look. It's one thing we have all in common. We're all somebody's neighbor. And they're ours. This has been God's simple yet brilliant master plan from the beginning. He made a whole world of neighbors. We call it earth, but God just calls it a really big neighborhood. You are called to love everybody always. No lists. No defining qualifications or prerequisites. But, but again, just so we can actually take some action steps, we can, let's get a little bit more specific. Who, how, who am I supposed to start out with? We'll start off with this. The humans you interact with or think about, just love them first, okay? So don't worry about the world. Don't worry about people that you've never met. All you need to take a first step in is the people that are come in contact with you in a 30-foot circle, Okay? Whoever you come in contact with, love them. So that, that includes, however, the, your spouse. Oh, was that funny? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? Really? Yes, really. You're called, we're called to love just the people we know. That means your kids. Kids, that means your parents. Adult people who have parents that are still living, that means them. That means the, the people you go to school with, the people who are bullies on the bus, the teachers you have, the coworkers. Just the people that you come in contact with. Just love them. Don't worry about the people you don't know. Don't worry about that. Just the people who you come in contact with. Or think about. So like if you're watching the news and someone comes on the news that just makes you just your blood boil. Boom. You're thinking about them. Love them. Okay? Don't make it overcomplicated. Jesus just called us to love. And we know that it at least means that we're supposed to love the people who hate us. Because he said, love your enemies. So don't make it overcomplicated. Don't make it overcumbersome. Just the humans you interact with and think about, just love them first. Maybe a couple of questions to help with that is this. Ask, do they deserve it? Before you love someone, ask that very important question, do they deserve it? And if the answer is yes, what? Love them, okay, that's, that's good. And if the answer is no, definitely love them, okay? If the answer is yes, awesome. It's easy to love those people. Seriously, how many of you are like, I just can't stand it, how many people love me? This is so overwhelming. Every day, I just feel like so affirmed. Nobody like criticized me. I just feel awesome all day long. Nate Selk is the only guy. Yes, Nate. Everyone else, we're like, no. But if they don't deserve it, definitely, if, if you're following in Jesus's love, definitely love them. The second question, ask, is it convenient? Is it convenient to love this person? Or is it going to be like, seriously, a pain in the neck or a sacrifice? Is it, is it convenient? If the answer is yes, what? Love them. If the answer is no, what? Definitely love them. Okay, because again, this is not 
the, the shooting from the hip, default, easy, I just could wake up, fall out of bed and love this way. Jesus is calling us to a very simple, yet a very, very difficult command, which is to love those people that are inconvenient and difficult in our lives. But what if I can't? Because honestly, you're thinking that, right? I, Pastor Errol, he knows a lot of nice people, so this must be super easy for him. He doesn't know anyone who's difficult in his world. But if he knew this person in mine, if he had to live with this person in my world, if he had to be related to this person in my world, if he had to work for this person in my world, if he was the kid of this person in my world, it would be a different story. To which I say, don't listen to me, because you might be right. My life might just be rainbows and unicorns all day long. Yours isn't. But neither was John's. And neither was Christ's when he made this command. His command was to love. And if we're with him, join him. Have I told you about the science about helium balloons? Hold that thought. Let's go back to the lawyer. Uh, Bob Goff, he, um, he's got this, he, he was a guy who was a Christian, and he, he was in Bible studies and Bible studies and Bible studies, and then he got tired of Bible studies. He's like, I'm tired of Bible studies. I, I want to start having a Bible doing. I'm tired of studying the Bible. I'm doing nothing about it. And so he decided to stop doing Bible studies and start taking what he had studied and actually doing something with it. He said that Christians have this problem with studying Jesus and studying Jesus and studying Jesus, but not having a relationship where they're doing what Jesus called them to do. He says, you know what you call people who study someone but have no relationship with that person? Stalkers. And that's creepy. Don't do that. He said, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you follow his lead. If you're with him, if you're really with him, you join him. You're a part of that. And so he said, okay, I just want to follow Jesus' command. He's called me to love him and love others. So whoever God brings into the 30-foot circle radius of my life, my world, I'm going to try to love him with Jesus. And any, anything that, that somebody, anything that comes across my wire that is, is some issue, I'm going to see if there's something that I can do. Inconvenient, uncomfortable, perhaps undeserved, but I'm going to try my hardest to love this person. And so he comes across this problem in Uganda. And in Uganda, there's this, this terrible reality that um, if you're a dad and uh, you don't like the, the, the guy that your, your daughter is dating, all you have to say is, that guy defiled my daughter. And that guy, without a jury, without a court case, goes away to prison for life. This 14-year-old, who you just came up with this, this accusation, which wasn't, doesn't have to be founded, doesn't have to have any evidence, goes away for life. And so the, a whole generation of Ugandans were actually being put away in prison. And so he hears about this. He's like, hey, I'm a lawyer. I'm good for something. I could do something about that. So he goes and he purchases the entire Ugandan law library of all the books that they had, which was two. And he buys them, and then he starts to study them. And he goes over there, and he tries 100 cases of these 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. And of the 100 cases, 98 kids were able to go home to their parents which is awesome, right? So cool. Um, but, the, but the thing about it is that while he was over there, he heard about another problem. It came on the radar of his mind. And the problem was this, that in Uganda, um, witchcraft and witch doctors is something that's still prevalently practiced. In fact, a lot of times kids are kidnapped from their homes and, they, and little boys and parts of their body are cut off because they're thought to have magical value. And so these witch, this is a practice that's been going on. Nobody says anything about it. Nobody does anything about it. And, and nobody has brought a case against a witch doctor because everyone's afraid. No, one, no lawyer would prosecute a witch doctor. No judge would be crazy enough to take it. 
Well, this guy's crazy enough to do it. Bob Goff is like, boom, I'm over here already. Let's do this. And so he finds, uh, he finds out that there's this one child. Usually they have no chance to prosecute any witch doctor because the victim is already dead. They bleed out in a field or something else. But there's one. One boy survived, one little boy. We'll call him Charlie. And Charlie didn't die. And so for the first time in Ugandan history, there was a victim. If you have a victim, you can have a court case. And if you have a court case, you're going to need to have a lawyer. Bob Goff steps up and steps in and says, boom, let's do this. He gets into the mix and he starts to, and he, and he, he realizes he has to study the law. He does. He has to find a, a, a judge that's bananas enough to take this type of a court case, which is totally faux pas. And so he goes to um, a, a courthouse where the judge travels around with guys with AK-47s. And he's like, that's my man. And he gets that guy and he has him preside over the court case. And for the first time in Ugandan history, a witch doctor, this guy named Kobe, had to stand on trial for his crimes against little, cho- little children, kidnapping, mutilating them, and killing them. And he went to prison. And little Charlie got a chance to experience justice. Have I ever told you about the science of helium balloons? Why they float? Hold on, go back to the lawyer. The lawyer um, in that situation is ecstatic and everything else, but the problem is that you still have Charlie who's still a victim. And Charlie is, is still like incomplete because he's been mutilated by Kobe, this witch doctor. Even though justice has happened and Kobe's in, in this prison, little Charlie is still incomplete. But word gets out and this doctor from Cedar sinai in California calls Bob Goff and says, listen, I heard about what happened with Charlie and I just want to let you know, I can fix him. And Bob's like, no man, you don't, you don't know what was cut off from this guy. There's, this little boy, there's no way that you could fix him. And he said, no, 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 you need to understand, technology is such that I can do this. And he said, but I I don't have the money to cover that, and and certainly Charlie doesn't. He says, it doesn't matter, we're going to pay for it. And Cedar sinai signed him up to do a $50,000 operation on this little boy. And so so they fly Charlie on out, Charlie gets to meet the president, um, it's, it's, um, uh, and then he goes, and, and before he, the day before the surgery, Bob takes Charlie to Disneyland because he's like, if you're going to have this type of operation, you need to go to the happiest place on earth before. So they go to Disneyland, and as they, after they're going to Disneyland, um, the next day they, he's laying there on the table, and Bob just leans over and kisses him on the forehead and says, Charlie, be brave, be brave. And they went through, and they, they had the procedure, and it was just amazing that this kid who, who was incomplete, um, because this guy, just all he wanted to do was follow Jesus' leading. All he wanted to do was love the people that God brought across the radar of his mind. All of a sudden, that, that, that happened. Have I ever told you about the science behind helium balloons and why, why balloons float? Hold on for one sec. Back to him just one more, for one more time. You've got Bob Goff, and Bob is, is doing this great thing where he's got this kid who's now complete, but all of a sudden, God starts to put on his heart that witch doctor, Kobe. And Bob hated Kobe. He killed children, children, and he mutilated his friend, Charlie. But God started putting on his heart, you need to go talk to Kobe. So Bob flies over to Uganda into this prison and, and it's like, and Kobe was put where Kobe should be, this darkest, deepest, dungeonous aspect of this Ugandan prison. And he gets in front of him. And actually the, the reason that this got started was because Kobe wanted to meet with him. And, and Bob wasn't sure if he wanted to put like a curse on him or do some type of vex saying or just punch him in the face. But he gets in front of him face to face with Kobe and Kobe is, is down on one knee and he says, I just need to know if you think God could forgive me. 
Do you think that God could forgive me after everything I've done? And Bob wanted to say, no, not on your life. But he didn't. Because Bob's with Jesus. He's been loved by Jesus. He's got to join Jesus. And so he explains to Kobe, yes, you can be forgiven. Yes, this is something for you. And Kobe, in this dank, dark, prisonous cell area of this prison in Uganda, gave his life to Jesus and became a believer. He started to lead other guys in the prison to Christ, this Kobe guy, which was amazing. But that's not the end of the story. Back home in the United States where Charlie is healing up, Bob decides to ask. Bob is so ecstatic about Charlie and the fact that he's, he's taking steps of wholeness and he's experiencing this mission that God put Bob on. And he wanted, he wanted him to know that, he was, that, he was, that this reality is something that he wants him to never forget it. The fact that, that God comes into a situation and brings us up. And so he's, he has this parade every uh, first of, of New Year's Day, Bob does. And he has it on his block and he invites all the neighbors. And this is a weird parade because everyone is in the parade and nobody's spectating which is weird. And they just walk down their block and then they're like, woohoo, we're done. And they have like lunch. And so that's what they do every single year. And they, but they always have a person of honor. And, and, and Bob said, Charlie, I want you to be the person of honor. And Charlie said, okay, yes. And he said, but here's the thing. I want you to fly. I want to attach balloons to you so you can actually float. You will be our float. You will literally be our float. And Charlie's like, yes. And so Bob puts on a balloon and, and, and he puts on like 10 balloons. Ten helium balloons. And you would think that that would do it, but it doesn't. And then Bob puts on 100 balloons. And you would think that might help, but it doesn't. Bob puts on 200 balloons. Nothing. 300 balloons. Nothing. 500 balloons. Neighbors are starting to talk. And he's like, I'm a lawyer. Sue me. 600 balloons. Nothing. 700 balloons. 800. 900 balloons. And after 1,000 balloons, this happens. And Charlie floats. And everyone is going ecstatic and extremely excited. And the cool thing is, is that Bob, when he's relating back to the whole thing, he said, I used to think you had to be special for God to use you. But now I realize you just have to say yes. Have I ever told you about the science of why balloons float? The funny thing is, balloons don't float. Helium floats. The balloon is just along for the ride. See, helium floats because it is less dense than the atmosphere around it. It's less dense than all of, of the air around it, and so because of that, it rises to the top. Now, helium, it has mass to it, so, so it, gravity and the world is still trying to pull it down to the earth, but because it is, it's, its a buoyancy is greater than the gravitational pull, it floats. Kids, all the kids that are here today, all of you guys today, as you're exiting, you're gonna get a balloon. This is like all the elementary school kids, you're gonna get one of these to remind yourself of this, but the cool thing is, is to remember that even though gravity is doing its best to pull helium down, its buoyancy is greater than gravity. You can't see helium, but you can see a balloon. You can see that it's in there. It's pretty cool. Christians, how buoyant are you? You know, one of the things John says in that passage is that this world has never seen God. They haven't seen God. But when they see you loving others, with his brand of love, inconvenient, uncomfortable, not deserved love. When they see that, they see God. See, the balloon here is pointless. It's lifeless. It's earthbound until helium gets in there. As soon as helium gets in there, this invisible force, this invisible gas, all of a sudden, you realize 
that you have buoyancy. If you're a Christian, God has given you the Holy Spirit to enable and equip you to do what you could not do otherwise. And this world who looks at your marriage, and it's difficult, it's crazy bad. When they look at it, when you start to have unconditional, undeserved love towards that person, all of a sudden, the world gets a chance to see a picture of buoyancy. When you are showing love to parents who aren't respecting you, teachers who don't understand you, when you're around friends that don't get you, and yet you choose to love them with agape love, undeserved, inconvenient love, the world gets a chance to see that there's something inside of you. See, Jesus said that in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Manuka Bible Church, as a church, be the type of church that recognizes that if you're in him, join him. If you're in Christ, recognize that you bring the buoyancy of the love that God has given you everywhere you go and every relationship you have. Today, at the picnic, I want to encourage everyone who's here, make sure that you don't simply talk with the crew you came with. Find someone you don't know and look and say, oh, you like Metallica too, just like Pastor Dave. Awesome. And then you get a chance to talk. Find someone who's sitting next to you and you're like, oh, I just want to kind of talk with my own people. I am an introvert. Who cares? Go talk to people you don't know and start to build a network of people that you realize we have a connection. If we're in Christ, we have a connection with one another. If you're really with him, really join him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, most of us in this world, in this world and most of us in, on this campus, those in, uh, outside, upstairs, or in this room, Lord, our life feels anything but buoyant. Lord, the gravity of our troubles, the gravity of our relational hardships has weighed us down significantly and severely. And there's oftentimes, Lord, we are reminded by the fact we just can't. We can't even, we can't even pull it off. There's no way. And yet, your word reminds us that if we're in you, if we're really in you, we really can join you. Lord, I pray that you help all of our, the lifeless balloon aspects of our soul recognize the buoyant reality of your spirit in us, the buoyant reality of your example of love for us, and the surprisingly liberating call to love people without lists, without prerequisites, without justification, but instead step into sacrificial, inconvenient love. And God, when a world who doesn't see you, who doesn't even appreciate the love we're showing, sees it, Lord, I pray that they get a glimpse of, your, of you and your work. That the hunger and the need that their soul has been dying for, for that, will be resurfaced. God, you are the one who you showed love by going after the one lost sheep who didn't deserve it. It was sacrificial for you to do so, and yet you pursued that. You left the 99 for the one for the Christians in this room, in this, on this campus, in the tent, in the upper room, Lord, for the Christians here, you have shown us a picture of your love. May we not simply believe it. May we not simply receive it. But let us do what you call us to do, which is to follow you in it and showing it and expressing it. And we will give you the thanks and the glory.
It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,